Hello and welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and I have a great guest joining me today, Miss Allison Dankner. She has a wonderful plethora of experience working to help start a couple of schools and also now working directly with individual families with uh, support for parents, students, and teachers. So I'm very excited to get to talk with her today and share some of her experience with you. And before we do get started, I have to let you know that I want you to go to treygammons.com right now to subscribe to the Dash podcast and my new email list. While you're there, you can also browse around a little bit to learn a little bit about me. You'll find a copy of my new book, Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. It's a social and emotional learning workbook for middle and high school students, and it can be used as a whole group class instruction or a tier two intervention reflection. So without further ado, I want to bring Miss Allison Dankner and her plethora of experience as a behavior, a family behaviorist and literacy specialist that's committed to helping and empowering families to work together successfully. It is so good to be here with you, Trey. It is my pleasure. I'm really excited, really excited to join you. And that book, your new book, it sounds fantastic. I can't wait to check it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely uh, be sending you a copy as soon as that. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds fantastic. It really sounds like it will help middle school and high school kids. Thank you for doing it. Yes, ma'am. No problem at all. I mean, you've been uh, very gracious in, in your support in our brief conversation so far, um, just for the work that um, I'm doing and the work that you're doing in education. And so I think you've got a very interesting background, just having started a public school and a charter school to now working with individual families. I mean, that's that's a, a wide range of experience. And I think, you know, maybe a dream to some folks. I mean, that, that's, a, that, that's a lot of experience that you're able to have <laughs> and a lot of impact as well. Can you talk about your journey a little bit? Thank you so very much for that. And, you know, I'm thinking about it as you say it, it all, it all connects and it all comes back to kids. Mm -hmm. And it all comes back to raising kids' self-esteem and ability to self-regulate. It plays out in the classroom, plays out in people's homes. But I've been able to see that common thread and I'll just take you through a little bit of my journey. Um, I, I, I thank you very much for, for asking. Um, I was in the classroom for seven years. And during that time, I helped to open, I, I helped to open two schools. One was public. One was charter. And they were both great experiences. I think as any teacher knows, when you're, when you're at that beginning point of a school, there's such camaraderie and there's so much teamwork. Um, but that's really where the similarities end. Mm. So, so let, let's take a look at the differences and I'll put them side by side. Um, with the public school, while we were getting ready to open that school, we got teachers together, books together, and we formed our committees. So I was put on the head of quite a few committees. Mm -hmm. um, but then at the charter school, uh, we got together, the teachers, the parents, the community members, and then we all gathered on, community, on, on committee. Now, watch that. <laughs> Here we keep going. Uh, then when you start a school or at the beginning of a school year, we all know you're going to group those kids. You're going to spread out the behaviors 
And so that's what we did in that public school. We made sure that there was even grouping and we made sure that anyone who had been seen as a struggle, they wouldn't be overloaded on one teacher. Right. Okay, but now we moved to the charter. A month before school, what we did, we assessed every child in the school. Mm. Every child in the school. So instead of spreading those kids around based on grouping for the teacher's sake, and of course for the, teacher, for the kid's sake as well, what we started doing is grouping by skills needed. Wow. So we could have small group instruction. We started structuring classes, times, and the order around kids' needs. So a month later, everything was structured around the kids' needs and these specific kids' needs, not any kids, these kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So you see right here, we're starting to focus on the child. Um, then we go to the pacing. So in a district, we'll be focusing on the district pacing, the district pro protocol for intervention, and the resources that will be used in intervention. Now let's move over to that charter. At that charter school, we did have the district expectations, but we were child-centered, mm -hmm. which meant the interventions, they were built in around the scheduling, the resources, mm -hmm. and everything we did with the kids. Yeah. Okay, now watch this. I don't think you'll be surprised about the outcomes. Now we look at outcomes. I had that bell curve, so my kids always scored very high always highest in terms of what we were looking for, but at the same time, you're going to have that spread in the class. Whereas, let's look at the charter school. I was the reading and writing specialist across three grades. So I had three classes throughout the day. Three, four, five in this class, three, four, grades three, four, five in this class, grades three, four, five in this class. Yeah. I was wasn't given curriculum. I had to create my own curriculum around these kids using best practices in education. All of my kids were above state average, wow. except for three out of all of those kids, and they were approaching. So watch, there were no textbooks. <laughs> there were no, there was no standards we were following. Mm -hmm. We were following the 21st century goals for kids. Okay. And we based it on those kids' needs. And those kids shined. They were so successful. Good. I mean, that's, that's quite the difference between the two schools. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I noticed, you know, you're, you're talking about a public school versus starting a charter school. But then you, you do um, use the, the phrase, putting the students first or thinking about the students mm -hmm. first. Do you feel like there's really, a, um, I mean, of course, there's some differences between public and charter school, but do you think the difference in that situation was the type of school that you were starting or the focus of the people starting the school? Oh, I think that's a great question. I think in both cases, we had really motivated people starting. And I really started with two amazing staffs, truly. Mm -hmm. I, I had... I had great colleagues in both. It being student-centered was the whole structure of the school. Okay. 
the charter schools. So it was called student-centered and project-based. Yeah. And because of that, that, right, it was built in. I'll tell you something that stands out to me. Um, there, were, there were guiding principles. And, and one was flexibility of time, space, and resources. That meant we moved the kids. Perhaps they wanted to learn outside. Perhaps there was more to write about outside. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to shift how much attention we focused on perhaps um, phonics or, or word study or writing or math or science and shifted it based on what the kids needed. Right. It, it re really came out to be something marvelous. It, it, was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Because when you focus on kids, um, these kids, every child had an individual education plan. Every child. Mm -hmm. Then what it did is it prompted growth and self-awareness and self motivation, really motivation for each of these children, because we went over what their goals were for each specific child with them. So they each knew that they were looking to improve based on their, their scores, their success, not anyone else's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you put a big emphasis. I know we, we talked a little bit more off the record, um, your emphasis on self-regulation and self-esteem. Can you, I think, yeah, yeah. That fits in with, I mean, it, at the start of both of these schools or just your experience as a teacher as well? I have a psychology degree and I had always worked with kids. So I think what happens on top of my education degree is I just came to it always naturally, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, wanting to bid, excuse me, <clears throat> wanting to build kids' self-esteem and self-regulation. It became easier for me in the charter school, but I certainly did it in every classroom I was in because I think it's the approach you take. Then I, I took that, everything I learned, and I had always worked with kids before teaching, and I applied it to helping kids self-regulate privately, raising kids' self-esteem hmm. privately, and helping them become better readers and writers privately and at the same time helping their parents follow that same parallel structure yeah yeah i love that i love that so you you transitioned you said you taught for seven years how did you transition did. From, oops, from um working with schools to working with families i tell you necessity guides instruction because i definitely was one of those teachers who was like happier than most. And I walked around the schools very happy. Um, I moved back to New York to help and support my family with some things they were going through. And I found it difficult to get a teaching job there, even with all of my experience. Mm. And so once people heard about my background and my being a literacy specialist, they started bringing me into their homes. They then started keeping me for seven years, nine years, I, I, I kid you not, because they saw how I was affecting the kids. Then parents started wanting to know what I was doing. And then it morphed into, I'm working with parents, I'm working with kids, and we're seeing success many times for private school kids in Manhattan. 
many times for public school kids all over Long Island. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Florida again to support family two years ago. I'm a family girl. Um, and I have, I, I still have families recommending me in New York. That, that led it. But here, once people learned what I did, parents started bringing me on to work with them and their kids. Mm. And they started suggesting the teachers speak to me. So now I guide many of the teachers whose children, you know, it's those kids where there's a struggle behaviorally at home and it's also in the classroom. So I teach the parents the process and the strategies. I teach the teachers. So now this child has stereo in their ears. Allison, mom and dad, teachers. They also know we're all on the same team, which goes along in supporting the child. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Well, I think, you know, the psychology background, sometimes we get a bad rap for our psychology degree, but I think sure. it's a degree that you can have. You know, there's so much you can do when you understand people and put the person first. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I really have an admiration for um, that work individually with, in, with single families um, and even with schools, you know, it's impacting. I appreciate that. Well, you, you do it throughout your community and you really bridge the gap between generations, which is so important and so sorely needed. So you're connecting communities in terms of the elders and the youth. And I guess there's a parallel because I am not quite at the same depth, but certainly I'm helping the parents see it from the kids' point of view. The kids see it from the parents' point of view a little bit, depending on the age, because I'm working with three-and-a-half-year-olds to 21-year-olds. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I try to really focus, I think, a gift that um, I've been blessed with mm -hmm. to be able to bridge that gap between generations. And, um, you know, I understand the wisdom of my elders and how to translate that to um, the experience of our youth and try to just give that message across generations and help them to understand so we can, so we can bridge those gaps. I value that so much and respect that so much. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. It's, thank you. Especially, you're very lucky to know what you were born, what gift you were born with. I figured out what gift I was born with. And when, when you can touch on that, you never work a day in your life. Right. I agree. Well, and that was my next question for you as well. And, and like, why education? How did, you, how did you stumble into this career or become such an advocate for education and and building students and parents. Thank you so much for asking. I remember the exact moment. Mm. I had this moment. I, I say to myself, you love kids and you love learning. Someone walks over to me, a woman I knew, and she said, you know, I just registered for classes to become an educator. And I was like, bing, that's it. I went and visited my grandfather in New Jersey that day. I said, granddaddy, I'm changing my life. I'm becoming an educator. I went and I registered for my master's because I already had that undergraduate. And it changed my life. I, I found a, a focus for my calling and my passion. But mm -hmm. I will tell you that with my psych background, I was accepted into a very prestigious, prestigious exclusive social work program. I say to myself, no, 
you'll take people's problems home with you. Then I become a teacher. Ha 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 ha. Because every struggle of society comes out in its children. And I would have to excuse myself to the bathroom crying. I would have to. I, I did take it home with me. Right. So now I work one-on-one -on -one with parents and kids. And again, they tell me I am in this with my heart and soul. So I understand. I do think about these people when I'm not with them. I, I think it's just who you are as a human being. And I think if you bring your passion and your background, people know you're there for the right reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you too. I'm saying it for you and, and for I. Yeah, and about me. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, um, what, what do you feel like is your, your main goal or purpose as an educator now that you're working with families? Everything I do comes back to raising self-esteem and raising kids' ability to self-regulate because that impacts their success in school, emotionally, socially, behaviorally, and academically. Mm. So I, I'm a reading and writing specialist. So many times I might lead with that, but I'll ask the parents to share the, the struggles academically, emotionally, behaviorally within the school or at home or with siblings. And I weave it in. Other kids, it's, it's fully, I'm a behaviorist. I might be playing educational games with them. But in both cases, raising self-esteem, raising self-regulation. And then because I was trained to meet kids where they are, I meet their parents where they are on that road of parenting. So mm -hmm. then I, I catch the overarching structures. I'm expert in sort of pinpointing it. So I, I catch that those structural problems that if I could give the parents a different way, change their thinking of their behavioral or the tactics they're using and, and use very simple methods, I will alleviate how stressful it is for them to parent. But in every session, we're focusing on what their children need to be more successful in the family or ex at school or so they're not driving their parents crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they call it their breaking point usually. Of course they do, of course they do. Is there any, yes, right. Can you give an example of um, like maybe a specific intervention that you've used over your career or like specific strategies of self-regulation or esteem that you use for um, parents or students? Yeah, I think it all comes down to flipping the way you speak to kids. So yeah. instead of saying thank you, because if, if I ask a child to do something and I say thank you, the child can choose to do that for me or not to do that for me. They have autonomy. But if I can flip it to the child, I know how great you feel when you go out of your way to try. I'll tell you very specifically how I do it with kids one-on-one. -on -one. So depending on the age, I'll use a sticker chart. And I use it to modify behaviors to make them become automated for the child. Mm. So it might start with, I really like the way you tried, even though you didn't want to. I'm going to give you a sticker. I really like the way 
you decided to read that a second time, even though you told me you just weren't doing it. I really like the way you read the questions first. I really like the way you didn't give up. Look how you kept trying. Then specifically what I might do with kids is I break down the process. And this is what I encourage parents and teachers to do as well. So I'll say to a child, you're about to hear me get a little enthusiastic. I'll say, did you get that right the first time? No, you didn't. What did you do? Did you give up? No, you didn't. Did you keep trying? Yes, you did. Wait, did you get it the second time you tried? Nuh-uh. No, you didn't. Did you give up then? No. No, you didn't. Did you keep keeping on? Yes, you did. What did you keep doing? You tried again. I get to some children. I've encouraged them to keep going so much. You tried four times. Did you finally get it? Five times. Did you get it? Yes. How fantastic is it that you knew to keep trying until you got it? So then we are shifting that, that fixed mindset that I give up, I don't want to try, to I do a great job, I feel good about myself, I'm hearing what I did well. When we point out process to a student or a child at home, they can shoot for that and repeat it. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll take a step back. If we, if we want outcome from a child and let's say they struggle with their focus let's say they're add let's say there are any number of struggles they're they're facing they can't get to that outcome they may never get our praise hmm. well instead how about we praise what they did to get there so if we're talking about a student it could be i i really like the way you raised your hand because then they were able to focus, hear other feedback, hear other kids' strategies. Or I really liked the way, as I said, you read the questions first, you numbered the tasks in, your, in the questions that they're asking you. Because sometimes I'm teaching literacy. In the classroom, I'm doing literacy, but perhaps I'm also doing let's raise some self-esteem because success is addictive. I saw that with children in the classroom again and again. If they can taste success, they think that tastes delicious. <laughs> so you go like this. I do it with kids in the, I did it with kids in the classroom. I teach teachers to do it with these kids, but I also, that's what that behavior chart is for. Because the first column, it takes three stickers to get my prize and they're school-based, you know, they're erasers and, you know, stickers, things like that. I'm not, I'm not pushing sugar. Um, and the second column, it takes four stickers to get that prize. The, the third column, it takes five stickers. That next prize box, I've moved them up to four, five, six to get your prize. And those behaviors are becoming automated because I'm taking longer and longer to offer a sticker, but I'm pointing out and calling out that process that gets them to where they want to be. So mm. you see, this translates to the classroom. This translates to students. This translates to how parents talk to students, to kids, right? If, 
if I can be very clear with my expectations, I can be, I can be praising the process. So praising what I, I said I wanted to see. And then this is where I added this in the classroom and I still do it. I want to ask kids for their feedback. How did you do? Don't ask me how you did. You tell me, how did you do? How did it feel? What part were you struggling on? Which part do you feel really confident about? Because we're giving them the ability to have metacognition, right? They're thinking about their thinking. I learned that in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so if we can get them, so if we can be clear about our expectations, praise the process, and then ask them to think about how they did, I promise you, you see improvement in the classroom, you see improvement with your child at home, you see improvement with sibling relationships. Those expectations have to be clear though. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I love that. Well, Allison, where can people go if they wanna hear more about your strategies or or some of the ideas that you have? Is there somewhere they can go to learn about your best practices or, or get some more of these ideas from you? Yeah, so my my website, if they're interested, um, my website is allisoncd.com. So A-L-L-I-S-O-N, C is in cat, D is in dog, or child development. Um, and you'll find all of my parent videos there. You'll find some of my articles there that were previously printed in children's magazines for parents. And you will find some tips. I mean, because between the, and, oh, and you'll find a way to contact me. It's all there. The videos, the articles, and contact, and what parents, other parents have said helped. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, Allison. Thank you so much for joining me in, in all of the great words and wisdom that you shared through your journey in education. It's been um, an amazing experience for you, and I appreciate uh, getting a chance to hear those. I can't thank you for inviting me enough. Can I leave you with one nugget? Please. Okay. Everyone, this will carry you everywhere. Kids need to know the rules so they can choose to follow them or choose to break them. Hmm. They'll reduce their anxiety. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've got to have those consistent expectations, consequences, Indeed. and rewards so they have something to keep up with. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us, Allison. We Thank you so much, Trey. Keep yeah. it up, please. Please, please. Keep up what you do, Trey. Please. I certainly will. Can't stop. Won't stop. Don't, and- baby. Don't. Bye. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a great episode of the Dash Podcast. Again, as we sign off here today, I want to be sure to remind you to go visit TreyGamers.com to check out your copy of Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.